That's what our family and friends and neighbors are watching us to see how does your faith impact your life and the ability to have joy amidst your circumstances, even to be able to say it is well with my soul amongst the most difficult circumstances of life or what people are watching and seeing how we deal with those things. And so it is not always easy. So I know many of your stories or a little bit of your story and where you're at in life and sometimes the most difficult thing to say it is well with my soul in the midst of darkness and of disappointment and of pain. <clears throat> this morning we just think about this idea of being angry. How many of you have ever thrown a temper tantrum? Okay, a few of you are willing to acknowledge it. If your kids are in the room, maybe not acknowledge it. But there are temper tantrums. It is amazing what we do when we get angry. Have you ever been there? You've kind of gotten angry and you've exploded, you've got upset, and then you look and you think, wow, that was just childish, right? And so we do kind of crazy things. So you've seen the two-year-old or the toddler kind of throw a fit at the little place in McDonald's or McDonald's, but um, Walmart or HEB or whatever. They're there in line and all those temptations are there before. All the things a two-year-old needs is in that little spot. And so they let you know that the temptations are there and the louder the temptation gets, the more annoyed you get and agitated that you get until hopefully they're trying to annoy you to the point to give in so that you'll give them that. And so they'll just throw the fit and they'll do that little thing. And so as parents, we have that decision to make. Are we going to acknowledge this temper tantrum? Are we going to move on? Are we going to leave them at the store? Um, what are we going to do? You know, all those different things that go through our mind. And so we do crazy things. We get angry. We think just about two-year-olds and, and them throwing fits. And then you think, hey, wow. And then all of a sudden you have a teenager. And teenagers kind of do the same thing. They just do it louder. They slam doors and they yell a little bit more stuff at you and all those kind of exciting things. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, even as adults, there's those moments where we actually do things that are kind of like two-year-olds. And we have a fit. We throw our little temper tantrum, whatever it is, and we do it, and we do it with those that we love the most. It may be that, you know, the day, whatever's happening, all of a sudden just something triggers us and we just kind of spew out all over them and they get our verbal vomit. And there it is, all over them. And there's nothing you can do to take it back or whatever. It's there, and you can't really clean up that mess, that stench. It's just there. And so I want us to think about that. It's a normal emotion for us to get angry. As a matter of fact, Jesus got angry. We see throughout the Old Testament that God himself got angry. The difference is, is that Jesus and God got angry at right things, the right things, evil and injustice and things that were unfair. And that that's our goal as followers of Jesus that as we acknowledge the fact that we're going to get angry, but what are we getting angry at and why are we getting angry and what does that move us toward? How is that going to change our world? How is that going to transform and to change our hearts? So I want you to indulge me for just a few moments. We're going to watch a clip from a movie called Inside Out that maybe you've seen. And uh, yeah, awesome. Cool. It's a great movie. And um, one of the things from that movie is there's this person, uh, Anger. And anger is red, and anger gets frustrated at different things. And so I want you to keep in mind as you're watching this that you see the different emotions play out. And all of our emotions are natural to us. But the one that we don't seem to be able to manage and control, or the one that we seem to manage and control the least, is anger. And we just don't know what to do with it. And even psychologists tell us that, hey, that anger is the one chief saboteur of our mind. It's the one thing that we really can't manage very well, and it's the most difficult thing for us to do. And so as you watch this clip, the red guy is anger. And so just see what the different things are that he gets angry at. Let's watch this together. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. 
cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Nobody is dying. A dead mouse! Ah, great. I'm going to be sick. House of the Dead, what are we going to do? We're going to get rabies! Get off of me! Hey, hey, hey. All through the drive, Dad talked about how cool our new room is. Let's go check it out. It's going to be great. Yes, 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 yes. What the heck is that? Oh, broccoli on pizza. That's it. I'm done. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. First the Hawaiians... And now you spitting out the car window. Definitely not when Dad was singing. Wearing a seatbelt. Oh, what about the time with the dinosaur? Oh, Dad, honey, Dad, Unload the daydreams. I ordered extra in case things get slow in class. Might come in handy if this new school is full of boring, useless classes, which it probably will be. Uh -oh. She's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. You like to read minds, Meg? I got something for you to read wait, right wait, 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 wait. here. Wait, 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 wait. What's this? Copper, what's this? Where are these I gotta go. What? I gotta go. That's it. No, no, no. Read. Find your happy place. Ah! Ah! On a scale of one to ten, I give this day an F. Well, why don't we quit standing around and do something? Wait, wait. We'll make you Anyway, it was better. That's my point. Yeah, Riley was happier in Minnesota. Wait, hold on. Should we just sleep on this or something? Fine. Let's sleep on it. Because, hey, I'm sure jolly, fun-filled times are just around the corner. Brilliant! I know it's really doing. Nothing's working. What? Why isn't it working? Let me try. Hey, you broke it. Let me do it. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Guys, we can't make Riley feel anything. What have we done? I tell you, but you're too dumb to understand. What? Of course your tiny brain is confused. Guess I'll just have to dumb it down to your level. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. <laughs> to the entire curse word library. This new console is done. Sorry, I did it again. My bad. You're getting to the break. Sorry. Girl. 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 Uh, okay. Bye. Emotions are confusing, aren't they? And anger is that one. You just never know. And so let's just acknowledge the fact that all of our emotions are, are natural and normal and God's given those to us and we try to figure them out and sadness and joy and grief and all those are a natural part of life. But anger is that one that we just can't seem to get a grasp on. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, Paul says this to us. He says, don't sin 
by letting anger control you. And have you ever been to that point where you just you realize that anger has just consumed you and control you? And so I kind of call it the thermostat or thermometer. You can kind of just see it raising. And it starts here, and people's muscles begin to tense up, and then their neck, you can see the neck muscles and all that, and begin to get red and kind of go to the top. And, and you know, hey, it's about to explode. Or y'all are smiling because you're like, yes, I've been there, done that. And you can feel it. And so anger can literally just consume us and control us. And what Paul says, and he understands, is that most of the time we get angry and we show our anger the most and the most violently is actually in our home and with our friends and and people that we love and trust and know the best. And so he follows that up with saying, listen, don't let just anger not control you, but acknowledge the fact when you lose your control and get angry and talk to those that you love and don't let anger pass you by by the time that the sun rises and the sun goes down. You've dealt with it and at least begun to talk about it. Proverbs 29 says this way, fools vent their anger. So in that moment when you actually do explode and, and vent your anger, immediately you feel like a fool or you feel people are watching you and you think about, man, what, how childish am I to do this? And he says, but the wise quietly hold it back. The, the ability to control the anger and to realize and recognize, hey, I'm getting angry and what this is, and to just take that deep breath that you need to take and let it subside. So what is anger anyway? Well, anger is following things. One is at that moment that you're threatened, that you feel like, hey, I'm being threatened in some way by someone or something. And so all of a sudden you kind of get that, you know, fight or flight mentality. And so you kind of deal with that and you, you sense it. So um, whatever that is in your life that you deal with, that you feel threatened by, you kind of stop and all of a sudden anger begins to rise up. The other one that we just saw with, with anger was she was demeaning him. She was calling him names and, and talking about him. And so she's talking to him and he's feeling this demeaning concept, these demeaning ideas about who he is, and so immediately that kind of raises up with inside of him, and so we've dealt with those as well, where someone calls you certain names or certain things, and you've been judging you and demeaning you and kind of knocking you down, and as you're getting knocked down, the anger is rising with inside of you, and also so you're threatened and demeaned, but then also there's that moment where maybe you're blocked from something, that you have a goal or you have an agenda, and it could be even in driving. We have this thing now called road rage. You've heard of it? that even happens in LaGrange during Antique Week and stuff, is that you get to a certain point and you realize that my path is blocked. I'm not going to get to where I want to get in a fast enough amount of time. And so even here in LaGrange, I've noticed during these times where there's congestion and your path is blocked, is that you will take shortcuts and you will rapidly take shortcuts. It's like, okay, someone's blocking and you know they're not native to LaGrange if they're in the middle of the lane and they don't let you go around on the right side. Because I can see you're going, yes, you know. And so they're not native, so you've got to turn range during antique that we just kind of get frustrated during that moment. So we kind of see that begin to raise up. So when we're threatened or demeaned or whenever we're blocked from a certain goal or agenda, our anger begins to rise. And it starts at this point of just kind of mild annoyance. You're like, okay, I can, I can, this is kind of bothering me. It's, it's a little bit there, but it's, I, can, I can deal with it. Kind of push it away. And then you get to that point of where it's agitation and it moves from annoyance to agitation. You're like, listen, this is more than just an annoyance. This is uncomfortable. I can feel this. This is really agitating me. It's going to leave a rash or it's going to hurt a little bit. And so you kind of feel that move. And then from that move to just rage, you kind of, again, you kind of feel it tensing up with inside of you. And your, your physical demeanor begins to change. And then ultimately what can take place is if you don't stop and recognize that you're struggling with and getting more angry as violence can happen. And one of the things that we've seen in our culture is domestic violence is on a rapid rise. And one of the reasons is that we're not able to, for whatever reason, to 
recognize the fact that we're angry and what's pushing our buttons and we continue to fire lob shots across each other and we don't stop in the midst of that and violence takes place. And so that's obviously the last thing that we want. So recognize anger and begin to deal with it. And even psychologists and psychiatrists tell us that anger is the chief saboteur of the mind. It's the thing that if we're not able to control anger and to deal with it, it literally does impact us. It's one of the main causes of addiction. It's one of the main causes of sickness. It's one of the main causes of depression. It's one of the main causes of even accidents and work accidents because our mind is consumed by what angers us and it gets us off and we're thinking about all these different things and it truly changes the psychiatric mode of our mind and our heart and our soul and it consumes us. And so there's different ways that we, we deal with anger, that we negatively deal with it. And, and one of the ways that we negatively deal with anger is the way I naturally was taught to deal with anger is to bottle it up. You ever been there? And that's, maybe that's you. Is it there's something and you're frustrated, you're aggravated, you're annoyed, you're agitated, you're aggravated, whatever it is. And so the natural thing that I was taught to do was like, hey, take a bottle and just shove it in there. Let's not talk about it. Let's not deal with it. Let's just kind of move on. And so you continue to bottle it up and frustration after frustration aggravation after aggravation, and it's kind of like the parquet lid. You know, you kind of every once in a while you hope that you lift it up a little bit and a little bit of frustration comes out, but you don't ever want to take the lid fully off because that's going to be a bad situation, right? And so you just kind of keep it there and hold it in and just never let it fully explode. And so it's there, but you've got to find a way as you grow older, you understand that you're bottling and you've got to find a way to release that anger because if not, it's going to be a messy situation, all right, so maybe you're a bottle or maybe you're also someone who likes to massage it. And so you've got one of those stress balls, you know, they give you those little things. And so you kind of you're you're good enough that you can set your anger down on a table and go to work and do your day. And then you come home and you grab it and all night long, you're just there. You're thinking about it or whenever you have a quiet moment to yourself, you pick it up. And you think you think you've resolved it. And then you have a quiet moment to yourself and you realize that you're really consumed by anger. You've just been distracted by other things. And so either you bottle it up or you kind of massage it, or maybe you're just that one that you're so gifted, you just spew it all out in that moment that you've, you've seen it. You've been in, in a situation where someone, it's just whatever it is in that moment, it is just like, they've dropped the Alka-Seltzer in the Coke or Dr. Pepper, and it is just spewing everywhere, and it's going anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just going to get it in that moment. And so even Proverbs tells us that, hey, listen, that's going to cause harm and hurt. Proverbs chapter 22 Verse 24 says, don't befriend angry people or associated with hot-tempered people because they're going to spew. In other words, they have a short fuse. So these are the ones that you get to that point. Maybe there's been different times in your life where you've had that short fuse. And so whenever they talk about God's anger and the anger of Jesus, a righteous anger, the word literally is a long-standing fuse. And that for us is that our goal is, is that we get angry over the right things. And if we get angry over the right things, then we have a long fuse, not a quick temper to explosion. And so how we negatively deal with anger, those are the ways that we typically deal with them. We either bottle them up or we kind of set them to the side and massage them for a little bit and think we've got it under control or maybe just that one little thing and all of a sudden it just spews all over everybody. That's the negative ways. But what's a positive way that we can deal with it? Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking the wrongs. The very first thing to positively deal with your anger is to recognize the fact that you're even angry. 
that you kind of sense it, you know that there's an injustice, you know that you've been demeaned, you know that something's triggered with inside of you, and you begin to, to feel it again. As the psychologists and psychiatrists tell us, there's something that literally changes physically with inside of us. And so you've been to that place. I mean, you've even pulled up to a stoplight, or you, something's happened, and you can just sense, okay, I, I'm angry, and even go, why am I angry at this? What else is happening? So just stop for a moment and just recognize, hey, I am angry And then ask yourself the question, why in the world am I angry to begin with? That there's reasons for us to be angry. And one of the reasons for us to to truly be angry is asking us the question, am I reacting to something that's evil or unjust or unfair? God himself got angry at certain things, that there were times where he said, listen, this is evil, this is unjust, this is immoral. And so there was anger, a righteous anger placed upon that. It moved himself and it moved... Um, Jesus as well in the temple to, to do right things and motivated by right things. And so we see different causes that have been taken up because someone has been seen something that's unfair or unjust. And so in their anger at that, they're moved to do something. So you've seen Mothers Against Drunk Driving. You've seen uh, the Me Too movement. You've seen um, the opioid crisis. And so there's a movement to, to say, hey, what are we going to do with this? You've seen all these different movements that are happening. And, and so in some way, someone is angry at injustice or something that's unfair. And so they're moved to that in an anger and righteous way so they can see something positively happen. And so that's what God wants for us in our anger is that in those moments that we're angry over the right things for the right reasons and the right stuff happens out of that, the right actions are headed out of that. And that's a positive way for us to deal with our anger. And so not that this is... Um, and so one of the things that people are, are um, growing angry about, especially as Christians, I believe, is the sex trafficking. And that there are more slaves today in the world than ever before. And that those slaves are sex, sex slaves. And so we're seeing that grow rapidly around the world. And so there's a movement to, to handle that. And so the anger and, of injustice and what that is for us to understand what that looks like and how we can get involved, the movement to handle those things. And so that's unfair and unjust. And so there are a variety of different ways that we can get angry and motivated to make a change, a positive change in the world. One of the ways that, that I was angered recently was something that was unfair. And so I, this is not a, this is minor, okay, in the scale of fairness or whatever. But um, whenever something happens to your kids, you get, you get excited about it. And so uh, how many of y'all have ever been to the DMV? Okay, a few of you. How many of y'all love the DMV? All right, nobody. Awesome, cool. And so we had an experience with my daughter at the DMV. We were supposed to get a driver's license. And we went and we looked at the website. We got all different information and we went to the DMV. And we sat down and we had all of our documents that we thought we were supposed to have. And as we sat there with them, we had already scheduled a driving test. We had all the different things. And after a few minutes discussion, the young lady at the counter said, hey, listen, you don't have all the documents that you need. And so we were like, okay, what do we need, blah, blah, blah. And she tells us certain things, and she says, I'll schedule you another appointment. And we're like, awesome, cool, at least we're moving forward, right? So we're excited about that. Not excited about the day, but we're still moving forward. We get those documents and go back on the scheduled day, and we have our appointment, and we sit there and we talk, and they tell us that we need exactly some old t- other documents as well. And so this is our second time there. And so I'm not real excited about being at the DMV anyway. We're taking time out of school. We're doing all this different stuff, and so we're there, and they add to the list of things that we're supposed to have. And we already have more than what you're supposed to have for the state of Texas because the state of Colorado requires more than the state of Texas requires, but who cares? So <clears throat> we go back, and we set another appointment. We come back. 
And so this is the third time. This has almost been three months now of trying to get this situation resolved. And um, I'm very patient, very calm person. And we pull in, and we pull all of our stuff, and we get there, and we have the little thing. And um, they say, oh, no, no, sir, you need this, this, and this, and this. And so I was like, okay, we'll have that by this afternoon. I want an appointment for the afternoon. Mind you, they have the appointment book in front of me. I can read upside down. And um, she says, sir, we don't have appointments for the next six weeks. So my thermometer begins to raise because I'm looking at the appointment book and there is no one filling in an appointment that afternoon. It is completely open. So being the generous person that I am, I pointed and I said, what about the 1 o'clock, the 1.30, the 2 o'clock, the 2.30 that's not filled in? Sir, I'm already committed for that time. And I'm like, well, you just said the appointment book's not full. And I'm looking at the appointment book, and the appointment book is wide open. And she says, well, you can come back and take a number. So I went to lunch, chilled out, came back. We took a number. I was the first one after lunch. Come in, 118, whatever the number was. I come up, and I sit down, and you could just see the excitement on this lady's face that here I am again. She thought she got rid of me. I'm like, no, 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 I am winning today. We are solving this today. And so I sit down, and she begins to tell me all kinds of different stuff. And so I said, we're going to solve this. And so she calls another guy over, and they begin to talk. And I just say, listen, I know it's probably not the most exciting thing to work at the DMV, and most people don't appreciate that you, who you are and what you do and all this different stuff. I really, I mean, I lifted them up, and I praised them, and I exalted them as great people. And then I just said, listen, what is, this is not fair in this moment, my daughter has 250 hours in driving time. It's ice, it's snow, it's highways, it's byways, it's lowways, it's tideways. It's all these different things. Everything's on the app. It's been downloaded. It's here. You only require X amount of hours. But because it was done in Colorado and not Texas, you're not going to take this. And so apparently when they think that you're getting excited, they have a button underneath. And so... My daughter was there, and there was no one else. It was just me with these people. And apparently, highway patrolmen had showed up in case. And I had not raised my voice. I was very genuine and very tactful, and, but I was unfair. And so you sense this motion, and finally, someone taps me on the shoulder and says, Dad, Dad, the highway patrol are outside. And I was like, I know it's the highway patrol office. She said, no, they're there. They're looking at you, watching you. And so immediately I just said, listen, I just want to talk to your supervisor. And so within 15 minutes, the supervisor called us, and we got set up for a whole other time. But it was that moment of just being unfair, and I'm like, listen, this is not going to continue. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place. And so what does it look like for us to be unfair and that you're going to push and you're going to move and you're motivated to get something done because you are not going to go back to the DMV again. You know what I mean? In that moment. So to be moved by that. The other ways that we're, the other question that we need to ask beyond just if we're reacting to evil or injustice or if it's not unfair or whatever is, am I reacting to an, a personal insult? Does someone demean me or someone kind of just showing a lack of respect for me? And so it's real easy for us to, to sense that. So you, in a personal relationship, someone talks behind your back or something, the gossip idea, and you kind of get that. And uh, Proverbs 15.1 says it this way, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So maybe you've been in that position where you're, you're in a discussion with someone and, and you think that discussion, you know, kind of raised up a little bit and you think, okay, it's kind of coming back down. And you have that moment 
of clarity in your mind where you're like, you know, I can walk away from this or I can lob one more shot. You ever been there? Okay, no, just me. And so you're there and you can lob that last shot. And so you think, "Mm, I should probably walk away, but you lob it anyway just to see what will happen. And then all of a sudden you lob it and you're like, oh, wrong decision. This was almost over, but now here we go to World War III. And so you, you get into that. And again, it happens with those that we love and care about the most. And so those, those first two are kind of outside of us, that something in some way has impacted our core values or what we think is important to us. The other one is, finally, that I want you to think about is, is am, I, am I reacting to a selfie photobomb moment? Now, what I want you to think about there is, is that these other ones are, are, are things that are outside of you that kind of affect your core value. But, but the selfie photobomb thing is like, you know, hey, listen, you've got your selfie stick and you've kind of got it perfectly at the perfect angle and you've got the right background and everything's perfectly there. You've got your friends, your family, the right smile, your, your hair is in the right place, whatever it is. And you've got it and you're like, this is the perfect picture that I can post around the world, the perfect image of what, people, what I want people to view of me in this moment. And you get it and you click it. And then you go to look at it and you realize somebody has photobombed you. And immediately you anger and frustration because of the fact that they have destroyed your moment. They've destroyed your agenda and that you had this perfect little thing about who you were and what you're about in that moment and they've ruined it. And so you get angry and you get frustrated. Proverbs 14:29 says, People with great understanding control their temper, but a hot temper shows their foolishness. Anger is a natural emotion. In the midst of anger, we have some choices to make. Are we going to bottle it? Are we going to massage it? Are we going to spew it? Are we going to slow it down? Even most recently, I had a selfie photobomb moment. I think this is for most of us. These are the moments that we deal with the most, is that someone's kind of messed with our own agenda and our own deal. And so um, I, have, I have a direct TV service, and um, I love sports, and so I was trying to watch a Mavericks game, okay? So I was trying to watch the Mavericks. I can get the Spurs. I can get the Rockets. I can get all these different things. I can watch the Mavericks pregame show. I can watch the Mavericks postgame show. But every time the Mavericks game was supposed to come on, it would literally go to darkness and say, hey, you don't have this channel. And I'm like, I just had this channel. I was just watching everything up to this moment. So I was like, I can't figure this out, you know. So anyway, I mean, I can watch everything. I mean, I can literally, I can watch Wombats racing in Australia, but I can't watch the Mavericks. All right, and so I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so I called DirecTV and this young lady, and I began to ask her questions. And I said, hey, listen, I give her that whole description. Sir, you don't have that package. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I, don't, I, can, I, I can do all this. Service. How can I? And she says, sir, for an extra $3.99, you can have this. I was like, listen, I don't care who you have to call, what you have to do. Just push the button. The Mavericks are on right now, and I want to watch this game. And listen, I love the Mavericks, and the Mavericks are horrible. There's stink. I don't know why it was a big deal in the moment, but it was a big deal. And I'm talking to this lady, and I'm, I'm spewing off one-liners. Becky and Lauren had to leave the room. I'm just like, I'm just loving on this lady. And I'm like, listen. In a moment, I just stop, and I'm just like, okay. It's the Mavericks. They have photo messed up my photobomb, and I just need to stop and let it go so we don't watch the Mavericks at our house. And it's okay. Okay, so what are those little things that you're just kind of get upset about and you're like, what in the world is going on? It's better to be patient, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. It's better for a person without self-control. It's like a city with broken down walls. It's in this 
moment that when you get angry and you get frustrated and you just let life kind of take over in that moment that you literally you let down your defenses and the inner mess comes out. Who we are at our most vile, stinky self is there and it's evident and the whole city is there and everyone sees it and looks at it and it's in those moments, listen, I've never let anger win and felt good about it. That's been negative anger. Never has there been a moment where I've had a negative anger moment and felt like, man, always. It's been regret. It's been shame. It's been like, what in the world? And you look back and you think, I haven't passed being a two-year-old in the aisle, throwing a fit, asking for the candy that my mommy won't give me. And God's like, what in the world are you doing? The things that should anger our heart don't anger our heart enough. And the things that I want and I don't get anger me. That's my prayer request for us. Is that as a people that are pursuing Jesus, is that our hearts would be angered after the things that anger God. Whether that's texting and driving, whether that's mothers after drunk driving, whether that's the opioid crisis, whether that's whatever that is, God has uniquely made you and gifted you in such a way that there are things that will anger you righteously that won't anger anyone else in this room. And if God has given you an anger for that, let it be motivation for you to change the world for good and to see righteousness come forth from evil. That's the beauty of anger is that God has allowed us to have anger to move us to a place where we can change the world that maybe without any other emotion we would just stand still and watch evil continue to take place and let evil win. But because of anger over righteous things, we will stop and take a stand and say, no more, this will not go on without me giving a voice to righteousness in the midst of darkness. That's the reason that we're a city on a hill. That's the reason that we're to raise up light and say, well, I need to bring light to this darkness. May we as followers of Christ use the anger that he's given us and move us to places of rightness. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, we recognize that you've given us all kinds of emotions, love, fear, and anger, just to name a few. And Father, how we deal with them is each one of us are so different personalities and unique in so many ways, but anger, and for so many of us, just in some moments, the most inopportune times, takes over. Father, I pray that we would be a people that would be consumed by righteous anger. The Father, that we would be consumed by looking around and seeing our neighbors, our friends, and our families that are being led astray by things that are not of the truth, by things that are not life-giving and life-fulfilling. Father, that we'd be angry at the fact that our neighbors and our friends and our families don't know you and they're pursuing other things. Father, give us righteous anger. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.